you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Psalm 93. You know, this weekend has been a time where uh, we have focused on the amazing and awesome uh, life-altering work of God uh, through His death, burial, and resurrection. You know, Jesus dying on the cross and taking the place of our sin, conquering sin and death, is truly a supernatural act of love towards God. I'm sorry, from God towards us. So why would someone who the Bible describes throughout is it, throughout its, its pages, describe, they describe Christ as a king who comes and lives as a servant, dies a horrific death that all of us actually deserved. From a human standpoint, the day Christ died, we can understand why so many followers were dejected. Even as Pastor mentioned in his, in his message on Good Friday and this morning, there are those who just didn't get it, just didn't understand And there are those today that just don't understand. Because it's hard to understand why someone would want to die for us. In fact, the disciples in John 14 did not fully understand the comfort of Jesus' words at the time. Yet, we know that Paul says that because of Christ's resurrection, we are to live standing firm and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The King of Kings is alive and well. He's going to come back one day and set up a physical kingdom. What we also know is that through Christ, though Christ is not back yet, we know that God is sovereign and that He is in control of all things. He is an almighty Father who reigns above. And in this passage, five verses, we're going to see about how that God reigns. Our God reigns. You know, our world is rampant with people living for themselves. It's, it hasn't changed since Adam and Eve. It's the same thing. But it seems as though sometimes in our 21st century, with all of the technology that we have, it seems like it's just in our face all the time. Those of you who can remember life before social media probably wish the social media was never invented. Because at least you didn't know everybody's selfish problems. (laughs) But we live in that kind of a world where we fall, and even we ourselves, we fall prey to the notion that our life and our opinions matter more than the other person next to us. We question the validity and motives of everyone. All it takes is to search through social media when anything major happens within even Christianity and and see the selfishness and the arrogance just constantly put out there. Like, we have the solution to the problem. We live in a chaotic world, and, and yet we are not immune to the chaos. We fall prey to the idea of responding to things rather than trusting God. We respond in our own logic and our own reasoning. We rule our lives under the guise of righteousness, but are truly not trusting and obeying the sovereign God who reigns above. We dislike the notion that we do not have the right to rule our own lives. We become depressed and discouraged over life's circumstances when things aren't going our way. We fight and argue among ourselves, thus placing really ourselves on the throne, rather than truly letting God's reign impact and direct our lives. You know, our theme for this year is to fear God and stand in awe of Him. 
And tonight, if it, and, and even through this weekend, if, if you don't come away just standing in awe of God, then we need to have another conversation. Because what Christ has done through the cross, through the resurrection, what God the Father did in sending His only Son to die on the cross for us, should just bring us to an awe. And really that awe should be every morning of every day, every moment of every day of our lives. Tonight we're going to look at Psalm 93 where we're going to see that our God reigns. And in this chapter of Psalm, in this short song, we see the character and the person of God. We see what God is like and to, to be a little different with this, as I was preparing and putting it together, we're going to look at the main principle throughout the whole sermon. I decided to try something a little different tonight. Rather than just giving it to you so you guys can go to sleep, I decided to actually let it be there throughout the night. And with each point, we're going to expand our, our, our main principle this evening. You know, in our morning services over the last few weeks, pastor's been talking, preaching through Colossians. And what is, just even, let's, this is a real quick quiz. I told my wife I wasn't going to be interactive tonight, but I'm going to be. Uh, what, what passage of Scripture and what about Christ did we see last Sunday morning? Christ is what? Thank you. You are correct. So tonight, our first main point is God reigns preeminently. If you look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 93, instead of reading all five verses Together, we'll just walk through it as we go through uh, the text this evening. The Psalm 93, uh, just real quick on a background of it, they're not sure who wrote it. They're not exactly sure on the timing of it. Uh, many believe that it was written during the time of the exile uh, and with the remnant returning to Jerusalem. But the first two verses say this, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed and girded himself with strength. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Your throne is established from old. You are from everlasting. As I mentioned, many believe that this could have been written during the time of the remnant uh, back to Judah. And if this is the background, if you think about the time that they were going back and they were trying to build the walls, Israel was enduring a lot of opposition. And when you and I... Uh, endure opposition, it's hard to be encouraged. It's hard to be, have a smile on our face. It's, it's hard to have a positive attitude on life. So they needed some encouragement, and this psalm is one of the most encouraging psalms I've ever read. It's just simply about who God is. But regardless of the immediate background of this psalm, the truths declared in it are exceptional and encouraging. And though we live in a world of chaos, though we live in all, in all these things and we struggle in our flesh and we battle our flesh day in and day out, we can be encouraged because of who God is. That God is sovereign. That God is in control. And tonight, the, the text, the sermon tonight is really to be encouraging to us, to encourage us. It's not one that is... There's not really a whole lot of text here that says that we're wicked people. It's all about who God is. Now, when we put ourselves in the light of who God is, I pray that God's Word shows us something in our life that needs to change. 
every time we open up God's Word. And as we place ourselves in front of the, the magnification of who God is, we will see things, I pray tonight, in our own lives that need to change. But God does reign at the highest level. There is, and we're going to see that in verse 1, that God reigns mightily. As he is reigning preeminently, God reigns mightily. Up there on the slide is a picture of Mount Rainier. When Liz and I lived out in Washington State, we got to go up onto Mount Rainier quite a few times. And this is a picture of a couple lakes that we actually, it's a little above 5,000 feet. We went up to this point, but the problem is every time we went up there, there was still snow covered. And it was all frozen and you didn't get to see this beautiful picture. But it was called Reflection Lake. And when I see this picture, when I think of Mount Rainier and I see the picture in my mind, I think of the power of God. If you ever fly into Seattle, it feels like the, the mountain is going to clip the wing of the plane because of the trajectory the plane's taken. You just see the power of God. It was the very sheer power that created that all, to put together all that rock and the snow and the vegetation and everything that's around it. One commentator described, uh, made comment of this. He said, The majesty of earthly princes compared with God's terrible majesty is but like the glimmerings of a glowworm compared with the brightness of the sun when he goes forth in strength. Are the enemies of God's kingdom great and formidable? Yet let us not fear them, for God's majesty will eclipse theirs. God is so great. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. We truly and all too often struggle with not trusting God, with those who oppose Him and oppose us and everything that pertains to Him. When we see that God reigns, He's clothed in majesty. We don't have to fear. He is on the throne. It says, The Lord has clothed and girded Himself with strength. He is mighty indeed. The world is firmly established. It will not be moved. Everything that is in the world today was, has been established by God. There's not a law that God has not allowed to happen. We see in Romans 13 that God has ordained government. You know, we should never be okay with sin, but too often we live in fear of it and in shock that an unsaved world acts as God tells us in His Word that they will react. You know, we live in a, in a world that we often uh, do not see the power of God over sin. God is on the throne. He's established His throne. His kingdom is established. It will not be through. There's not a single sinful act that can overthrow Him. Because not only do we see God's might, and we could go through things after time, sorry, illustration after illustration of God's power, His might. I think this weekend shows us the most amazing aspect of God's power. And there's no better illustration than what we celebrated this morning and we celebrate tonight the very power of the resurrection. How many of you can raise someone from the dead, let alone raise yourself? When you think of the resurrection, I was asking, I had Chloe and Ella on the couch with me this afternoon, and I asked them, what would have it been like, how would have you responded if you were Mary Magdalene? And you walked up and there is nothing there. 
And you start walking away, you're dejected, and all of a sudden someone starts talking to you. And eventually you realize that it's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Have you ever tried to put yourself, and even the text this morning, put yourself in those people's shoes physically and mentally and emotionally? Sometimes I think we are so detached from what took place at the tomb. They're like, oh wow, look at how they responded. Put yourself in their shoes. It is amazing. You know, sometimes we're hard on, on Thomas because he didn't believe. Would have you really believed that God raised himself from the dead? I mean, just a few chapters, a few time earlier, he's, John, he's trying to encourage the disciples. He's saying, listen, I will, when I leave, I'll come up again. They still didn't really understand what was going on. Are you struggling to truly trust the power and the strength of God? You know, God is preeminent. He reigns preeminently. And part of that preeminent reign is that he is mighty, he is powerful. And not only that, but with this, he also reigns eternally. Look at verse 2. Your throne is established from old. From the beginning, God was on the throne. From the very beginning, God reigned. You are from everlasting. God's reign is eternal. No one can overthrow God. God's reign is completely sure. Yes, one day God will send Christ back and he will set up a physical kingdom and we get to come back at that time with him and, and be here for the millennial kingdom. And I, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm looking forward to it. And yet... It seems as though the world doesn't get it. They, can't, they can do whatever they want. They can try to overthrow God. They can u- try to use every law and rule and, and everything under the sun to overthrow God's reign, to overthrow who God is. But not even Satan himself, even after being bound a thousand years and kind to come back and win again. I'll give him credit for persistence. But God puts an end to that persistence. And Satan is defeated for all eternity. The God who created us is the God we serve. It is the God who is on the throne. And we can be encouraged to know that his power is immense. It's, it's more powerful than any other ruler and kingdom that has ever been, ever is, and ever will be. A.W. Pink said this about God's sovereignty. The sovereignty of God means quite simply that God is God. Not merely in name, but in full reality. That is, God always does as he pleases, when he pleases, where he pleases, how he pleases, with whom he pleases. His unrivaled right to rule over all the works of his hands. God's in control. God is in control. See, God's right to rule the world is founded in his very making of it. You know, he, he illustrated this with King Nebuchadnezzar, didn't he? Nebuchadnezzar thought he was the best thing since sliced bread. If they even, I don't know if they sliced bread like we do today or not, but 
He had an entire thing built to him, made everybody worship him. God put him in his place. God's reign is eternal. No matter what happens to human rulers on earth, the throne in heaven is safe and secure. So what can we learn from this? What is the big idea from this passage? This part is that we can live safe and secure in the arms of God. Because God is on the throne. Because his, he reigns, he is clothed with majesty, he has girded himself with strength. He is a, his throne has been established. We can live safe and secure in the arms of God. We don't need to worry about tomorrow. As Christ is preaching the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, he goes through and says, don't worry about this, don't worry about this, don't worry about this, don't worry about this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Worry is a sin. You know, worry will eat away at our joy. In fact, worry will even eat away at your physical body. Remember, as the Lord led us away from Illinois and we were in, so to speak, limbo, there was a stretch of about a week's time where I didn't want to eat, I didn't want to drink really anything. And in about two to three days, three, four days, I lost 10 pounds. Why? Because I wasn't trusting God, I was worrying. My stomach was always in knots. And as I was battling that worry, and I know I'd be laying at bed at night saying, I know I shouldn't worry, and, but then I would worry, and I'm trying to figure out how am I going to solve our financial issues on my own, and I'm trying to come up with all the human reasoning in the world and the human logic, not truly believing that God truly is on the throne. And then this passage of Scripture came across my path, along with Psalm 27 and 25. And God said, hey, hey, Aaron. See, nothing and no one can hold you more secure than God. God is on the throne of all creation. He is almighty. He is eternally mighty. He is and always will be undefeated. Nothing is greater than God. No one is greater than God. He is the Father of our sovereign Lord and Savior. He holds the world in His hands. He spoke us into existence. The weakness of our flesh and trusting our lives to the Almighty God is sin. When we, when we trust in ourselves and we worry and we allow that to dictate how we live our lives, we need to stop trusting in our own abilities in life and our own logic and our own reasoning and trust God. You know, God never gave Job the answer he wanted. I was very much like Job. I kept asking why, 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 why. And God just looked at Job and said for two chapters, here's who I am. <laughs> so what that tells me is that we just need to trust and know that we can live safe and secure in the arms of God because God reigns. But not only does he reign preeminently, but also God reigns victoriously. Look at verses 3 and 4. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their pounding waves. 
more than the sounds of many waters, than the mighty breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. So I was studying this text. I, I, the first time I, so I preached this one other time, and I, you know, sometimes you, you study a past scripture and then you find out you probably weren't exactly accurate the first time. These verses, I, I remember preaching simply that he's just using creation as an illustration of a rough time in life. But as I started studying it more, it really is speaking more towards the idea of a resistance towards God. A rebellion towards God. Did you know that God reigns victorious over the rebellion of man? When I worked at camp, there was a camp cheer that we had called Victory. And I don't know if some of you may know what that cheer is. I'm not going to do it for you, don't worry. But it spells out the word victory in the cheer. And, it, and you get everybody pumped up, and you have your whole team pumped up about you guys, we're going to be the ones who are victorious. Well, we are on God's side, as we sang. We are on the Lord's side. It was interesting. I, all of you know I like golf, and there's a really big tournament on this week in the Masters. There's a top ten player in the world that didn't make the cut, which means he didn't get to play on Friday and Saturday, although, I mean, Saturday and Sunday, although with the weather, I don't know how disappointed he was. But I remember on seeing a clip of him. He bogeyed, the, he made the bad scores on the last two holes, and it kept him from playing on the weekend. And his face was completely defeated. Completely defeated. And I was seeing that, and, and I was, as I was studying this, I was like, wow, last minute, here's a great illustration of the idea of how we can sometimes respond in life and not actually looking at the victory that God's given us. We let sin defeat us. We let our flesh defeat us, and we live in that defeat. In fact, sometimes we, we go and we, and we even, as described in these verses, we rebel against God. and We rebel against what God has done for us. Man revolts against God. But yet, man's revolt can't conquer God. God is on the throne. Christ reigns victorious. God's victorious reign has looked, defeat, has looked defeated sometimes in our eyes, but the reality is that God has sovereignly and providentially allowed for sin's existence for His glory while he seeks and saves those whom he has chosen. You know, we look around us and the question that is always there is, why, why do the wicked prosper, quote-unquote? But because God's on the throne, are they really going to prosper? They're not. As we think of all creation, we think of the raging seas and the pounding waves as here, Nations are going to rebel against God. We live in a nation that is rebelling against God. But we don't have to be discouraged. Even with the sin around us, we don't have to be discouraged. We can be encouraged because we know God is on the throne. Nothing takes God by surprise. He is victorious. Nothing in this world is more steadfast than God's reign over the world. 
So instead of focusing on all the threats against us, let's focus on God himself and accomplishing his purposes and his plans and being a part of his plan that he has for us. So how does this impact us? That God is victorious. Well, we can live safe and secure in the arms of God no matter the circumstances. No matter how bad life is around us, no matter how bad the world rebels against God and tries to overthrow God's rule, no matter whether that opposition be directly against us or maybe our own flesh is trying to get us to side with those who rebel against God, we can live safe and secure in the arms of God no matter the circumstances. Because the Lord on high is mighty. We see that God reigns preeminently and victoriously. The third truth to God's reign for us this evening is that God's reign is characterized by truth and holiness. So we've seen that God is mighty, He's eternal, His throne has been established. He is victorious, even in the face of opposition who is fighting and beating against him. Verse 5, your testimonies are fully confirmed. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. See, God reigns in truth. God reigns in truth. As God is able to protect his church, so he is true to the promise he has made of its safety and victory. You know why you and I can go into the, the, the streets of Sterling Heights and, and Warren and Royal Oak and Troy and Clinton Township and, and Macomb and, and all around us? It's because God's truth is true. His truth, we have safety in him. His word is passed and all the saints may rely upon it. Whatever was foretold concerning the kingdom of the Messiah would certainly have its accomplishment in due time. God's word is true. Psalm 33:11 says the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. See, why can we trust in God's reign and the decisions that God makes is because they're true. God is true. Your testimonies are fully confirmed. We don't have to doubt God's precepts and principles by which we are to live are perfect and righteous. Psalm 19 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanses declaring the works of His hands. Jumping down to verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. 
Your testimonies are fully confirmed. God's word, God's precepts, his testimonies are sure there. We can trust in his word. God is on the throne. God reigns. And as he reigns and he is on high and he is mighty, the psalmist here says, your testimonies are fully confirmed. The truth of God's character and judgment should bring us to an awe and fear of him. It should draw us to love him more, knowing that God is 100% trustworthy. We live in a world where truth is in, essence, in an essence does not exist. The society, sorry, the society of the world we live in has proclaimed truth to, is whatever you want truth to be, which really isn't truth. Absolutes are invalid, and even they have become to where absolutes are judgmental and discriminatory. Unfortunately, this thinking has also invaded our churches. We fail to see sin as sin oftentimes. We refrain from challenging each other to live right in our responses to, in the way we respond to each other. A parent's failure to see their child as the sinner they are rather than dealing with the sin they blame it on the circumstance or another person. We bend truth to fit our narrative, and I have bend in quotes. This approach to truth is not living out the character of God. God is absolute true. His word is absolutely true. Not only is he true, but we see, I love how the psalmist puts this, holiness befits your house. So if holiness befits his house, that means God's reign is holy. God's, and it's referring to the temple here. It's where God resided. It's what, how Israel would have read, understood this. You know, in the Old Testament, it was... The place where God's presence rested in the midst of Israel. However, God has chosen to work a little differently. There's not a God's presence isn't per se hovering over like the temple. He doesn't hover over this building. But we know from 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, that what? The whole, through the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. If holy, holiness marks the residing of God and God himself, then surely his people are to be holy. God's reign is holy. It's set apart. From the very beginning of time, he is different than his entire creation. And he's called us in 1 Peter to be holy as he is holy. We aren't going to be able to be set apart to the, to the degree that God is set apart because we are still set apart from Him in the sense that we are not God. He's created us in His image, we, in His likeness. But God has called us to be separate and different from the world. Are we being that different? And as they are referring to the temple here, he's referring even, you could even uh, extrapolate this into how we worship God. Holiness befits your house. Is our worship of God holy? 
So we're to be set apart. God's reign is a reign of truth and holiness. Are you obeying God's truth? Are you seeking to live out the command to live holy as God is holy? So how does this impact us? We can live safe and secure in the arms of God no matter the circumstances in only a way that glorifies God. Brings the right opinion of God. It shows the holiness of God. Shows the character of God. We need to live trusting in God in every situation in a way that glorifies God. The psalmist in 30, Psalm 34, 1-3 talks about consistently praising and magnifying God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What a wonderful determination we can have as a church that we would do that. We have it in the auditorium every Sunday we walk in. That phrase above the baptistry says, joyfully magnifying Christ. And if you pair that with our banners and our theme this, this year, we joyfully magnify Christ by standing in awe of him. Why? Because he reigns. He reigns. We can live safe and secure in the arms of God no matter the circumstances and only a way that glorifies God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. We thank you for...